He was the most heinous serial killer Kansas has ever seen. He would be driving down the street and he would see a woman and he would look at her and he would say, you're next. He called himself BTK, bind them. He would take his kit in with him, the cord that he would tie him up with, he had uh, plastic bags that he would put over their heads. Torture them. My mother begged for her life, yet he showed no remorse. Kill them. You will find a homicide. 43 For three whole decades, he would taunt the police and press in a perverted game of cat and mouse. There was nothing else that we could do except, unfortunately, wait for the next victim. But was BTK born to kill? In my mind, there was two people in that body. One of them was a husband and father the Boy Scout leader. The other one was an absolute animal. Art and Jacob to America is presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on the wise real A study on Like we always do about this time. Boom. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 313 of the Art Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What the fuck is going on, guys? Guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They got... Pretty much anything your heart decides. They got the nitro cold brew, which is way too strong for me. But <laughs> but guys, if it's not too strong for you guys, buy it. Use promo code America to receive 15% off. Um, tell your mommy your boo boo too. Take a picture of yourself drinking that nitro cold brew, fucking jumping through walls like the fucking Kool Aid man. Um, <laughs> that shit's too much. That's like that's like fucking. This is what this is what a heart attack feels like. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's too much for me. But like. Yeah, if it's not, and you need those fucking like twenty-four hour cram study breaks or whatever, you're a college student listening to this podcast for some weird reason. Uh, drink that shit. Drink that shit. You got a young heart, bro. <laughs> uh, do it. Uh, use promo code America at checkout to receive that fifteen percent off. I will say this though, like it's better than drinking like a rock star oh, or a yeah, bang, yeah. because like this week's been fucking hectic as hell for me, and so I grabbed a rock star. Like, I haven't grabbed one of those in, like, a yeah. couple of years, right? 
And like literally, I felt like a hummingbird. I felt like my heart was going to beat out of his chest and whatnot, yeah. right? And what I should have done is I should have went to Caveman Coffee. Should have got me a nitro cold brew because, yes, it will give you energy, but it will make your heart feel it like won't it's about destroy- to explode. Yeah, two things. Like, one, that's really bad for your heart. Two, it's really bad for your kidneys. Like, that shit turns your kidneys into, like, sand, dude. You end up peeing your, your kidneys out. Ugh. Then you have to get on dialysis and all this shit. Yeah. But so anyway. Go to Caveman Coffee. <laughs> Save yourself the trip from the dialysis clinic. <laughs> If nothing else gets you to buy caveman coffee, that might do it because dialysis fucking sucks. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, guys, speaking of sponsors, not talking about dialysis. I'm pretty sure Nicole is not on dialysis, but if she is, I apologize, ma'am. Uh, but anyways, guys, I need everyone to head on over to sucrapparel.com where the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has put together an illustrious array of merchandise for your consumption pleasure. So head on over there, buy everything that you want, love, or desire. Or maybe buy somebody that you love, want, or desire some sucre apparel. But before you hit checkout, guys, I need everyone to enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, we're not here to talk about dialysis. Episode 313. <laughs> the the horrors of dialysis. Dialysis Chronicles. Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> Art, what are we here to talk about today? Guys, we're here to talk about BTK Dennis Raider. The He's got multiple names, bro. Yeah. BTK Strangler. The fucking let me go through some of these Bind Torture Kill, BTK Strangler, BTK Killer. He, well, there was the Garot Phantom. Yeah, he had all these like fucking goofy names, but BTK is definitely the name that most people associate him to. Long overdue topic. Pretty excited for this one just because he's you know he's one of those like elite level serial killers that yeah. we've covered a lot of them. We've covered Night Stalker, Dahmer, Ted Bundy ish. You haven't done a whole episode on him yet, but yeah, um, Manson, Manson. Even though he's not a, really a serial killer, but he was like a the grand marshal, if you will, yeah. the, the 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 man holding the strings or whatever. But yeah, he's definitely on the list. And every time we do an episode about a serial killer or somebody serial killer adjacent like a Manson, BTK always comes up. And I was telling you when you suggested this topic, I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it, dude. It's one of those ones we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when you brought it up, like I, in my mind, I thought like this was something that just happened in the 70s, got resolved in the 70s. Yeah. And my mind was just like, okay, yeah, he killed a couple people and whatnot. I didn't know all the ins and outs of this. I didn't know he got captured in 2004, literally a year after I graduated high school. So when we get to that, because spoiler alert, there's going to be a two-part episode. But when we get to that, I have a theory about that, about Mm -hmm. why he decided to come out of retirement. And I think it has something to do with the movie that was released around 2003. Uh, but anyways, we'll talk about that later. Stay tuned for part two. Uh, but then also, too, I wasn't 100% on the murders that happened, right? I know his name stands for bind, torture, and kill and whatnot, right? I just figured, you know, like, yeah, he tied their hands behind their back and did what he had to do with whatever or not, and whatnot, right? Zodiac style, if yeah. you will, right? Yeah, yeah. But this guy's a fucking monster. I know Sofa King Davey, he... Uh, he said he called him a fucking bitch, but I'll call him it. He's a fucking monster, dude. Like, I yeah, was yeah. shocked. He's not Jeffrey Dahmer level sickening, but, like, this dude's fucking sick. So, uh, uh. I, so one of the things that, like, right away before we go into, like, who is, you know, Dennis Ryder? Like, I was about to call him Dennis Schroeder from <laughs> the Lakers. <laughs> like, who, who is he? Like, you know, it's important to note a couple of things. Once you start doing enough of these, like, you know, 
things besides Jack the Ripper, who we covered, and besides Zodiac, who we covered, but we don't know who they are. There's really no you know background besides those two. You can do a breakdown of you know what was their childhood like? Was it an abusive childhood? That they experienced head trauma? That they see combat? That they you know like you know you kind of start to see these like oh a profile well, yeah profiling like Jeffrey Dahmer you know, trauma abuse as a child was neglected tortured animals went off to be in the military for a while and then came back the alcoholism you know pretty common serial killer trait same mm-hmm. thing with Richard Ramirez the Night Stalker you know like hundred percent was hit in the head was abused was like had an abusive uncle who would show him like weird pornography at a young age who was like, Hey, check out these body parts. I took pictures of while I was in Vietnam type of thing, you know, like stuff that no child should be looking at. And when you look at Dennis's life, he is a little bit of an outlier because he pretty much has middle-class upbringing. I wouldn't call him an abusive dad. He doesn't even call him an abusive dad. He's like, I had a very strict, not so loving dad, and I get that, like, which was par for the course for yeah, like the time like period. Nineteen yeah. fifties dad. He's not the type of dad that's like, sit down, talk about your feelings. We got, <laughs> we gotta talk about it. Barbara woke up with you. Let's talk about it. Let's, let, hey, open up your feel, open up your chromosome, son. <laughs> it, <laughs> open up your left ventricle to be hugged. I'm here for you. We're gonna listen to some fucking census fail right now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna no, we're gonna cry this one out, bro. Uh, All right, you and me, we're gonna cry through this whole album right now. We're gonna listen to the Black Parade, <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna get through this one, Dennis. No, there was none of that shit no. going on. This is like fucking. Well, you better go mow some more lawns because you got you know like you know it was very like 1950s dad. It was like fucking like get a buzz cut and like you know. You know, that's why I imagine the 50s where everybody had bus cuts <laughs> and, like, you no, know, like, fucking, like, you just all, had nothing but fear and anxiety in their heart, but they couldn't show it. <laughs> everybody was waiting for the big one to drop when, when yeah. the fucking, when the commies dropped the big one or whatever. <laughs> Those pinko bastards <laughs> yeah. and shit. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, there was no real signs of abuse or anything like that. Even his friends didn't really, like, view him as, like, that abuse kid. I guess later on, people did bring up the fact that i guess he would like tie up cats and tie up frogs and things like that yeah um but there he didn't have like that big thing of like of like oh yeah dude he was like molested by an uncle and like, yeah you know the only things that i could find that could be like indicators of you know you know we talk about nature versus nurture or whatnot that could have been uh, the nurture aspect of it is that he did get turned on by old comic books that would show, kind of like Bundy. Like, the detective comics? Yeah, the detective comics where it would show women tied up or whatnot. And it showed, like, he would get sexually aroused by that. Uh, he did say that he felt uh, ignored by his mother, who was a bookkeeper at an IGN uh, grocery store. So she worked long hours when she, her ass should have been in the fucking kitchen yeah. barefoot and pregnant and whatnot, right? Yeah. Um, but then later on he talks about how him and his mom, you know, really enjoy like horror movies and shit. So it was kind of like, was it a childhood where he felt neglected or was he just like being a bitch? That's bullshit. That is like, oh, this kid played video games and he listened to Marilyn Manson. That's, that's the equivalent of that. That to me, those are all cop out bullshit answers. I, I heard some of those things too. Like by that, by that standard, 
every motherfucker at a fucking Marilyn Manson concert, every dude who was just at that sick festival with Ben and all those dudes oh, in Las Vegas. Vegas, like half of those motherfuckers should be serial killers because they all pretty much grew up with like bad music, video, violent video games, horror movies, like, you know, whatever. You know, most of them are fucking normal-ass people like Ben working at fucking Chili's or wherever he works at. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, it's just, it's fine. You grow up and you fucking deal with it, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're cop-outs. I don't think that the detect. How many people grew up reading detective comics? I grew up reading Spawn comic books, and that shit's way like, worse. Yeah, way worse. I grew up watching, like, fucking, like, weird-ass anime made me into like fucking like all right you know you're into like fucking like clantly dressed women with like big titties like now it's like that's i blame anime for that you know like you know say what you will about the barbie doll but anime definitely has like changed the standard of like (laughs) what what women should look like like faye from cowboy bebop that is not that should not be the standard but anyways going back to dennis um I, I, you know, he doesn't really do anything, you know, besides being like kind of a dickhead kid. Like, this is kind of like, is it the soil or is it the seed type of thing? Mm-hmm. And this one actually feels like it's a little bit more of the seed was kind of fucked up. Yeah. And like I mentioned, like he, he said he knew growing up that there was something different about him because he would be turned on by things that he knew other kids weren't turned on about like, you know, like I mentioned, like, you know, those detective comics, when he saw, you know, the girls tied up, like he got an erection, he started jacking off to that or whatever. He was, they weren't showing big yeah. old cowboy bebop titties or whatever. Right. Yeah. It was just like, Oh wow. Like that's possible. Ooh, that, that gets my heart going. That makes the blood rush down, you know, South of the border kind of thing. And I, and he would say <laughs> some stuff too, or it's just like, I couldn't get off unless I was thinking about stuff like that. So you hit the nail on the head when he said it was more of the seed. It was more nature yeah. than nurture at that point. I wonder this. So fast forward to, you know, we're 2023 now. If you were into like bondage type shit, just fucking Google bondage club near me or like, you know, who's into bondage, who's wants to be a sex slave or whatever. Like it's like at your fingertips now. And I wonder if he lived, like if he was that age today, like would he just be like some like, dude and like latex into like latex shit hanging out like in a bondage dungeon or whatever like at some like weird orgy in like downtown LA type of thing yeah or would he no matter what he's going out to be a serial killer Huh, that's a, that's a good question because you 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 got to look like you mentioned earlier about the environment in which he grew up in, in the 1950s where everybody was trying to be as conservative as fuck yeah. as to not be labeled a pinko commie bastard yeah. or whatever right it's somebody like this, like, again, this is before the Beatles, you know, grew their hair out, you know, <laughs> to yeah. their shoulders and were considered pinko commie bastards and whatnot, right? The the counterculture hadn't happened yet. Woodstock hadn't happened yet. Um, it, it's very possible um, because, yeah, like, if anybody with those feelings or those desires would have been looked at as, you know, satanic or, you know— something subhuman kind of thing. So he's probably got all of those emotions running through him as well, as we would see later on in his life when he becomes like a compliance officer and whatnot. Like he was a very stickler to the rules kind of thing. Yeah. So, And I took that as a lot of self-hatred. Yeah, and I like to move to that because that's one of the big stories of him being a compliance officer where he was very abusive with his authority as a compliance officer. I The big story that everybody tells is, I guess, like you couldn't, 
have dogs without leashes, and I guess mm-hmm. he's cited someone for having a dog without a leash. And most compliance officers would be like, hey, ma'am, can you just put your dog on a leash and just let it go? I guess he did, like, a bunch of research, wrote a bunch of paperwork about this, took him to court and was ready to go. And, like, even the judge was kind of like, what are you th- – we're here for a dog on a leash. Like, <laughs> like he was more prepared. They said than you know than most lawyers would be at a murder hearing kind of thing, like a defense lawyer and whatnot. And like he would actually get his measuring tape out and make sure people's grass wasn't past like two inches. Yeah. I even got into uh, to the fact where like he would go into people's backyards just to release their dogs, so that way he can catch them. And then one lady that he was picking on. Uh, he just kept picking on her and picking on her and picking on her because he didn't like her boyfriend and actually took her dog to the pound, uh, said to the pound, say, don't let this dog go unless this lady calls me first, shuts off his phone so the lady can't get in contact with him and actually gets the dog euthanized for nothing. The dog was just chilling in its own backyard and shit. He just didn't like yeah. the girl's boyfriend and actually tells her when she says, hey, why are you picking on me? Like, if the paint's chipping off my roof or whatever, you're like, you're writing me a citation and whatnot. And he goes, all this trouble just, uh, wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have had that boy come into your life and whatnot, right? So, like, he, he, he was very much that asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, very militant, very uh, stickler, you know, yeah. for the over-the-top rules. Yeah, no, definitely... Definitely a creepy guy. And that's one of the things that lets me think, again, this sounds more like the seed than mm-hmm. it is the soil. Because that's, even though he was raised in a pretty strict home, not to this level. This is like psychopath level. Yeah. This is not normal behavior. And um, that was, you know, that was one of his many mundane jobs that he had. He was also involved as a Boy Scout troop troop leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like, like, you know, if you're a Boy Scout troop leader, like, by the way, so many red flags. Like, you know, if if you ever have a friend who's... Saturday a, Night Live ruined scout leaders forever, there, yeah. There's no, like, normal dude that wants that. You have to be forced into that position. Like, mm-hmm. your kid has to be like, I want to be a Boy Scout. And you're like, oh, fuck. fuck. Well, I can't <laughs> have some other dude molest you. <laughs> I better... I, I gotta do it myself. <laughs> guess I gotta molest you myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! I was making a joke about molestation. Oh shit! <laughs> Fuck! I gotta do everything around guess, here. Guess I gotta do that too. Here we go. <laughs> no, I mean just like no, I mean <laughs> like it's a you. It is one of those jobs that like no dude should want to do that. That's a, that's like a shitty. Like you should be watching your fucking like football team lose on Sundays. Yeah, like yeah. it'd be like oh fuck, I can't believe like. <laughs> That's that's normal behavior, yeah. right? Like to me, that that's what you should probably want to do. Is no, like, but he was all about it. Oh, he was all about it. Law and order. We gotta raise these kids to like become the next God, gener- country family first. Yeah, yeah. And th- and I'm glad you said that, dude, because he was that dude. Like you know, if he lived in today's America, he would be that Fox News motherfucker. Like mm. the only comedy in this house is Big Bang Theory. <laughs> After that, we turn off the TV. That Young Shelton, <laughs> like. <laughs> Tucker Carlson, Young Shelton, Trump. Like, that was, yeah, like, yeah. the trifecta for him. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, he definitely had a MAGA hat. He would yeah. have a MAGA hat. Yeah, because yeah. it was all that, like, conservative bullshit that doesn't really mean anything while he's out, like, committing his crimes. But he that was the life that he that he lived. Yeah, president of the fucking church he went to and shit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, fast forward to one of the jobs that he did have that kind of, like, leads him to, to 
crime number one, but he did get a job at the Coleman factory, which, mm-hmm. you know, makes all that camping equipment still to this day. By the way, he works for a lot of companies that are still in production today. And I'm surprised they don't do more to try to distance themselves <laughs> from, from this guy. Coleman, Coleman ATD, like, yeah. yeah. So, or is it, is it ATD? The, yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the Coleman, especially the ATD when we get there down the line. But Coleman, I thought was funny because um, that's where he meets his first project. Mm-hmm. And he gets this job working at the Coleman factory. I think he was not even supposed to be like a, like a, a guy that oversees like the production quality of the product. I don't think that was even his job, but I guess he would make dude, that. Dude, Dennis, like, his... you're just supposed to screw on the thermoses, okay, dude? Dennis, we told you you just gotta make sure, you know, clock in, make sure your hands are clean, make sure there's no caca on the bathrooms. All right, dude, you're just a janitor, <laughs> janitor. here, dude. No one said <laughs> this caca is not gonna clean itself, Dennis. All right, I don't know what you're inspecting on these fucking. On these fucking coolers, but it's fine. You just just don't get the caca everywhere. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> he was like Dwight Schrute and shit, like going over the top or whatever, like calling himself the assistant manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was basically the gist of who he was. I, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what his role was there, but it, it didn't even matter because he ended up getting fired and whatnot. But it was always something like that, like where he would have a job and take it way too serious. And again, I make the the analogy was like Dwight Schrute. But at the same time, he had this secret life that he was living where, you know, he would spy on women, undressing. He would get pissed off, you know, to to go back a little bit. Oh, I just realized I messed up. There was, sorry, that is not his first. Oh, no, he had multiple jobs or whatever, right? Uh, But in high, high school, he would get pissed off at a teacher and end up stalking her, watching her, you know, undress, and then, like, tie him you, you mentioned autoerotic asphyxiation he would tie like a rope around his waist and keep like you know tightening it and tightening it and tightening it trying to you know you know basically cut off circulation but still try to you know masturbate and come at the same time uh, he got off on that uh he would you know steal women's undergarments you know uh, you know just to you know sniff them and masturbate or whatever which is it's weird but it's not too weird yeah not that's not that weird um art does it a lot <laughs> <laughs> i just i don't think that that's that weird like I, I was listening to this other podcast, not related to this, but it was a dude who, like, I guess, like, sniffed his wife's underwear. Like, it was, like, a question and answer. Like, people would be like, hey, do you think this is weird? This guy, he, like, he's been, like, sniffing my... It was a woman calling and saying, like, it was a, her husband was, like, sniffing his underwear. He's like, should I be weirded out? And the guy was like, no, what the fuck? It's like, you guys are married. If anything, like, if that's his kink, that's, like, a easy kink because at least he's into you type of thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And like that, I said, it's it's weird, but it's not kind of yeah. thing, yeah. But anyways, he would do that. He would do a lot of cross-dressing. Uh, there, later on, there would be pictures that would come out where, like, he would have, like, these weird masks. That where, woman mask? Yeah, like, there was one that was, like, petrifying looking. It looked like something out of scary stories to tell in the dark kind of thing. It reminded me of, you know that movie, The Strangers? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. The, yeah, the movie, or the mask that I was thinking of and uh-huh. whatnot. Uh, but then he would, like, have himself tied up. Uh, buried in a ditch to look like a grave and whatnot. And, like, this was, like, his pornography, his masturbation file or whatever. And this is all, like, in high school and junior high and then later out through all his life. So he's living, like, these double lives or whatever, right? Apparently it was, like, a big thing for him. Like, even then he thought he was always going to get caught doing these things. Mm -hmm. And not to say that he wanted to get caught, but that was always, like, a thing on the back of his mind. Like, I guess that's, like, the rush of it. Like, yeah, the thrill. I'm going to get caught. 
and like you know while he's like tied up dressed like a woman and all these types of things like going out to the forest and all this like that was part of the thrill for him yeah yeah and then so anyways he graduates uh, co- a high school he goes to junior college gets really bad grades so he, desi- he decides to join the air force a nice 1950 things to do serve your country whatever fight those pinko bastards and whatnot right so he joins the air force from 66 to 70 so this is around the vietnam era and whatnot uh gets discharged moves to a suburb of wichita kansas by the way he's from wichita kansas uh, which is park city uh and takes a job as in the meat department of the iga where his mom was the bookkeeper of so um he he has like you know that that kind of like you know that serial killer thing where it's just like he he's trying to blend into society you know be that friendly neighborhood butcher if you will or just that that friendly guy that's going to take the grocery that's the, like the images that i got in his head. Mm. but at the same time still has these fetishes and oh yeah by the way when he was in the military he starts to gain all sorts of um you know, skills that helps him with his trolling and stalking of women, being able to, you know, break into homes virtually undetected. Yeah. Um, I think there was like something when he was in high school. Um, and maybe I'm mistaken. No, this is him. I guess there was like a teacher that he saw that he didn't like in high school and he like followed her home and like was peeking through her windows. And I guess like that really excited him that he could like, you know, follow someone and like peek on their life or whatever. And like, I guess he got like a boner and yeah. he's like, Oh fuck, I got a boner, like spying on my teacher or whatever. Yeah. And that was kind of like the first time, like that peeping Tom thing, which, you know, peeping Tom, <laughs> that name sounds like way too like comical. It does sound like something like Dennis the menace. I think I might've said this in the past. This sounds like a reoccurring joke in my head now, but like that does sound too friendly of like a term like peeping yeah. tom like oh dude just boys being boys dude <laughs> donald trump was top. just peeping tom in on on whatever you know like on those 16 year old 16 girls 16 year old pageant girls or whatever like yeah. he's just being a little peeping tom but the reality is like that's a pretty fucking sick like like that is like can you imagine to me i was listening to a completely different podcast where like this woman was like sleeping and she saw some dude wearing like a plastic horse head like he was watching her sleep and i was like dude that is fucking That's terrifying. terrifying that is terrifying like i don't i would be like all right well we're looking at fucking moving now cuz like <laughs> there's no going back to bed in that house like that to me like the idea of someone like looking in on your life without your knowledge of it is pretty fucking creepy dude yeah i know we have my next one of my next door neighbors he used to do that he used to peep his head over the fence and you can see into our living room uh from where he was looking in at and um, before I had the German Shepherd, it's like he would do that a lot. And I was like, this motherfucker, like, like know your boundaries or whatever, right? And so he would always try to have, like, the blinds um, pulled and whatnot. But then when I got the German Shepherd, it's like once they, be, you know, progressed from being puppies to, you know, full-grown fucking dire wolves and shit. I remember one of them, like, jumped up and bit his hand. And he was like, I, your canine fucking bit me on the hand. And I was like, yeah, don't fucking look over my fence. What are you fucking doing? Or whatever, yeah. Right? So, you know, long story short, he no longer did that. But it's like it's like a violation of your privacy. Oh, like, absolutely. And, and, and it's not boys being boys at that point. Like, yeah. like that is like that is like the next step is rape kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah. Like, it's already like a violation of your space and privacy. Like mm-hmm. it's that violation is already there. Yeah. And like, yeah, the, it, it's the, the progression into like 
breaking and entering and rape and or murder is like it's too quick. It's yeah. too it's too disturbingly like simple to get there. But anyways. But at the same time, Art, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, he was very active in his church. Uh, it was Christ Lutheran Church in Wichita, which he ends up meeting uh, his wife. Uh, I believe her name is Paula Dietz. Uh, they end up having two children and whatnot. And on the surface, he's living this all-American life. He has two children, a boy and a girl, uh, has this long-loving marriage, and like she has no idea about any of this stuff, right? You know, he's just like this perfect husband. Yeah, he works at the Coleman plant, uh, gets fired, but is immediately, you know, picks up and, you know, works as a census worker and then as a compliance officer and whatnot. And at the same time, he goes back to college and gets his degree in criminal justice. Yeah. So it's like always like this like dichotomy of like black and white, like th- these two lives that he's leading, you know, one on the surface and one on the underbelly kind of thing. So this all leads, like you said, to his first murder, uh, and before murders, I should say. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and it wasn't just like a, a slow progression uh, mm-hmm. that you know Dennis was going through. He actually like would write, make these files of people that he was uh, watching around town, which he called trolling and whatnot, and the trolling would turn into stalking. And before he actually started like murdering people, and then actually taking physical action, he would write these thick folders and call them his projects and we call them like military names like Project Blue Book or Project Blue Balls or whatever and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, he would say, you know, he would put that on his, when he was driving around town, put that in his passenger seat and talk to himself about what he would do, how he would tie these people up, how he would murder them, how he would masturbate over their corpse and whatnot, and then like that would suffice his urges. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to January fifteenth of nineteen seventy four. Those urges were no longer, or those that ritual was no longer sufficing his urges. Uh, so what he decided to do is he saw a lady, um, a Julio Otero, uh, somebody that he had known of from the Coleman factory. And decided, like, hey, I've been watching him. I know that her husband leaves to work every morning. The Half of the kids are going to be at school. I might be able to just fulfill my fantasy by tying her up and, you know, having my way. Not necessarily. He never raped anybody. But, you know, his big thing was is he wanted to tie them up and then masturbate over their body and whatnot, right? Uh, this was a clusterfuck from the beginning to the end. Yeah. And it leads down a horrible dark road. So I don't know if you want to jump into this. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the Otero family. Uh, this one was pretty sad, man. I yeah. don't know why, just, I mean, <laughs> I hate, I hate seeing minorities getting murdered, and I don't know if it's if that's racist of me to say, but, <laughs> but like, maybe it's just the thing that I connect to of, like, seeing, like, a brown, brown, beautiful family being slain by this guy. But basically, um, he enters the home, goes up to the kids, and is like, I'm... I need to like. I, I think the way it was pronounced was like him saying, uh, "I have a sexual, I have a sexual problem or something like that," yeah. and I, I'm not gonna uh, act on that, but I'm here to uh, to rob you guys. Mm-hmm. So he has the mom basically take the kids into one of the bedrooms, 
fill it with toys and blankets. No, 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 no. that's another one. So oh. on this one, he uh, he he sees he goes and he goes to the back door. He cuts the telephone line. And he goes to the back door and he says to himself, am I really willing to do this? Like he was about to walk away. And by happenstance, the youngest child, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph Jr., he opens up the back door to let the dog out to go pee. And so he goes, well, I'm already here. Might as well walk in. So he go, he walks in and he has his pistol out uh, and he goes to Joseph and he goes, hey, I'm um, I'm with the police department. Uh, I have some questions that I need to ask you guys. And he goes in and just immediately he says like he just starts to like everything starts to fall apart. Dad's still there. He thought dad was, you know, yeah. going to work. I guess dad had just gotten to a car accident and that car was in the shop. Uh, so he's recovering with like cracked ribs. Mother was there and there was two other children that were there that should have been at school and whatnot. Right. So mom wasn't there alone. So he has a gun and he tells him like, hey, I'm not here to hurt you. Like I'm just, uh, you know, wanted in California. And I'm hungry, and I need some money and your car uh, so I can get away. Uh, but before I do, I need to tie you up. So he ends up uh, tying up, you know, Julie, uh, which is the mom, uh, Joseph, which was the dad, and then Joseph Jr., and then Josephine, 11. And what they they were all in the same bedroom, and this was the first time he was able to actually do this to people in the field. And... I spoke of this dichotomy, Joseph Otero, who had just gone through the car accident, uh, was complaining that the binds were too tight and that it was hurting his ribs. So it's this weird dichotomy where he's like, he's there binding and torturing him and whatnot. Right. But then like Joseph Otero is complaining (laughs) that he's uncomfortable. So he starts to loosen the binds a little bit. Uh, then he goes up to Julie and, you know, he loosens it a little bit. Uh, the children are complaining, so he loosens their binds a little bit and whatnot. And then he realizes in a split second, like, oh, shit, they've seen my face. Oh, shit, these people don't have a lot of money. You know, they're Puerto Rican, I believe. Mm. They just moved to Wichita to, you know, you know, for other opportunity and whatnot. They're dirt poor. They have, like, six children. They don't got anything. They're going to report me to the police. I'm going to be found out because we're in Wichita, Kansas, which is like middle of the butt fuck nowhere. They have one sheriff that's going to be able to you know, yeah. identify me and shit. Like he knows me from fucking, you know, <laughs> that sounds like the Boy Scout leader. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> He's in my troop and shit. Right. And ever right not. So he knew that he had to take it up to the next level. Yeah. So this is why it was a clusterfuck. So immediately he puts a plastic bag over Joseph Otero's head and starts to strangle him. Joseph Otero knocks out. He puts a bag over Julie's head, strangles her, and she knocks out. And he does the same thing with the children. Now, as he's starting to get everything together and, uh, you know, clean up, slowly, one by one, they both start waking up. Or everybody starts waking up. And he's like, holy shit, I guess I don't know have what it takes to strangle anybody, right? He just put them, like, in a, you know, in a sleeper hold. Yeah. And, you know, they knocked out for a little bit. So he, you know, goes again. Uh, he puts a bag over Joseph's head. Uh, he tears through it, obviously, as you would, you know, trying to fight back and whatnot. He tears through the plastic bag with his teeth, you know, trying to grab Gasper air. So he puts a T-shirt over his head, puts another plastic bag over it, and then ties him up and kind of just leaves him for dead. Julie, she's getting hysterical, saying, hey, you know, leave my children alone. You know, take me, but let my children live and whatnot. So he takes uh, Joseph Jr. Uh, to his bedroom and then uh, Josephine to the basement 
uh, goes to Julie a couple times. Same thing happens. Like he tries to get her, you know, knocked out, tries to strangle her, but his hands just aren't strong enough. <laughs> and then, you know, he goes into jo- little Joseph Jr.'s room. And the same thing. It's like all of these, like, it just keeps happening. He'll choke them, they'll wake back up. Until finally, he, like, he just gets like um, a piece of the court and just strangles everybody to death. But the one that really fucking upset me was Josephine. The little girl. Yeah. He takes her down to the basement and hangs her uh, from a drainage pipe. And her feet, and there's actually pictures of this, and I wasn't trying to look this up. It just organically came up. We're literally like centimeters above of the floor. So, I mean, if she was just just a tiny scotch taller, she probably would have been able to live. Uh, But what he did was a little bit more sickening, and this is where the sexual part of it comes into play. He pulls down her panties a little bit, cuts a piece of her shirt off, and as she's dying, starts, you know, masturbating, and then comes all over her legs as she's dying. He cleans up, he leaves the house, the whole family's dead. Sad thing is, is when the other three children come home from school later on that afternoon, they have to come back to all of their family dead, bound, tortured, and killed. Yeah, and he would later, you know, as we talk about him a little bit more, but he would later talk about how that was the moment. That was definitely the the moment that I was like, okay, this is not a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that was definitely the most, like, exciting thing to him was the little girl being tied up like that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of took him to a whole different level of, like, animal level. Yeah. You know, he went from a fucking killer, and I'm not saying he didn't belong in prison at, up to that point. I wasn't even cool with the Peeping Tom thing, but this is a point where he goes into serial killer, like, monster level. Yeah. Like, there ain't no redemption story coming. Like, it's it, it definitely... Uh, the point of it, no return. Yeah, that was definitely the point of coming on a child i mean come on there's no coming back from that one (laughs) (laughs) no pun intended yeah (laughs) but anyways uh his second murder happened a couple months later uh april 4th of 1974 and i was really surprised by that january to go to april like the gap is so short like this dude could not control himself at this point Mm -hmm. that's a pretty small gap yeah but anyways yeah april 4th 1974 four months later he's back at it yeah and so uh he is following one of his projects, um, one of his many projects, as he was saying, because there's a confession video, uh, which you can look up on YouTube, and there's websites that have it all transcribed and whatnot. Uh, but he, this is the, this is all like in his words. Uh, but one of his many projects that he was trolling, uh, a Miss Catherine Bright, uh, he actually breaks into her home and waited for her to come back because he knew her schedule. Uh, he, she knew that more than likely she would come back home alone. And she wouldn't go anywhere until it was time to go to work the next day. So he breaks into her house a couple hours early, waits around in the kitchen, I believe, like, eats a bowl of cereal mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, leaves it in the, the sink. Kind of like an ode, like a, like a bad joke about how he is a serial killer and whatnot, right? Uh, but she comes home, and she actually comes home with her brother, Kevin. Yeah. And, again, this is he a He did cluster. not plan on that at all. So. Yeah, and he actually forgets his murder kit. I guess he was putting together a murder kit. So from here, he actually has to live like, you know, you know, he has to, to freelance everything here. Uh, but he tells both of them that he's wanted in California again and that he's not here to hurt them, but he just needed a car. Uh, but anyways, he had Kevin tie up Catherine and then he, then Dennis tied up uh, Kevin, um, and to, uh, 
oh shit, I just lost my place. Um, but as he was going through the house, because he was making it seem like he was just, you know, going through and uh, trying to find things to rob them for, you know, to, to get to California, uh, to get the car, keys to the car or whatever, uh, they kept breaking out of um, their binds. And again, he said, and he says this in court as well, he goes, he goes, if I had my murder, if I had my kit with me, you know, this wouldn't have happened. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. just, it would just would have been a whole different situation. Uh, but they kept breaking out and um, they kept fighting each other, right? And so Kevin... When he breaks out, uh, he actually takes one of Dennis's guns. I guess Dennis had two guns on him, one that was in his hand and one that was in his shoulder. Kevin actually, like, tries to shoot uh, shoot Dennis, and then Dennis ends up shooting him in the face. Now, Dennis thinks that he knocks him on, unco- or actually kills him at this point uh, because mm-hmm. you shoot a motherfucker in the face, and yeah. that's what's fucking supposed to happen or whatever, right? And so he goes back, and he goes to, you know, rebind uh, Catherine, but she keeps breaking out. She's fighting with him. She's biting on him. She's kicking and screaming and doing whatever, right? And so he ends up, you know, strangling with his little tiny hands and whatnot, <laughs> and she knocks out. Same thing with the Oteros. Kevin, like, he hears uh, noise in the, the living room and whatnot, and he hears Kevin rustling around. So what does he do? He shoots him in the face again. Yeah. Again, thinks that everything's all good. You shoot a motherfucker two times in the face, that motherfucker should be dead, right? Yeah. That's a bad man. Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad man. You don't want to mess with a dude that survived two bullets. To the face. We need to give Kevin a rap deal. Yeah. <laughs> a hip-hop contract. Yeah. Right, now, right? Fucking get Dr. Dre on that motherfucker, yeah. right? Uh, but anyways, as he shoots Kevin in the face again, Catherine re-breaks out of her binds. So he says, fuck it. He grabs a belt, and he strangles her to death, you know, with that belt and whatnot, right? Or no, actually, I'm sorry, no. Uh, he gets a knife and stabs her a few times, I guess once like in the back and once in the stomach and whatnot. And then he hears the front door open up and he thinks it's the cops. And he's like, oh shit, this is it. Like, I'm done. I've been caught. Like, that's that's the end of the this journey or whatever here, right? And so he goes to the living room to look out and it's Kevin with two bullet holes in his fucking head mm-hmm. running down the street and whatnot. So yeah. he says, fuck this cleans up real quick to get all of his stuff so there's no forensic evidence left over and high books it out of there. Uh, I believe like he uh, parked two blocks down like at a local grocery store and then just leaves uh, Catherine there to die. I guess she didn't die at their house but later dies like at the hospital. You know what? I I thought about that because Kevin later flags down a car and is like asking for help. But dude, all right, put yourself in that scenario. You see a dude with like a bunch of blood like running down the street trying to flag you down. I don't know about you, dude, but I'm driving even faster. I'm out of there. <laughs> I've seen Texas Chainsaw, I yeah. I do not want to see the end of this movie. Yeah. It, it kind of, like, I might call the police later on and be like, yo, there was a dude, like, bloody as hell, but I ain't stopping <laughs> it. Help, dude. Like, no. Maybe in the 1950s, like, but not now. Like, hell no, dude. The commies got him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, dude, there's a fucking commie uh, on fucking... He's uh, literally pinko right now. Yeah, you, you gotta call him right now, dude. You gotta, just don't even ask questions. Shoot first, dude. <laughs> B- BPD for sure would be like, let's just fucking kill this guy. Yeah, but what sucks about this is, is like, Kevin, he actually sees BTK and when the police are, you know, asking him for a description, they're like, oh, shit, like, he's just this basic white dude. They don't get an accurate enough dis- depiction of BTK uh, because, one, Kevin gets shot two times in the face. But then again, yeah. like, even the description of him is not helpful enough 
in Wichita, Kansas, which I'm, which I'm assuming doesn't have a, even with the, the advent of killing the Otero family, doesn't have a lot of minorities living there as well. So yeah. he, he blends in to Wichita, Kansas almost too perfectly. He's a little more recognizable now, and a lot of the pictures you'll see of him are pictures of him now, like bald or whatever. He he has those serial killer pervert glasses or whatever. Yeah. Like, but back then, he kind of had just like a crew cut and was very bland looking. Correct, like, yeah. He just literally looked like any like boring looking white dude. Yeah. So I could see what they're talking about there if you yeah. look at like young pictures of him. Yeah, plus, I mean, the dude got shot twice in the face. Like, yeah, I was like, going to be Yeah, able to, your memory's not all there. Yeah. I get a headache, and I can't tell you what fucking Art Trejo looks yeah, like. I've known this guy for, like, 20 years. Two two bullets to the face, bro? Like, I don't know. That's... You remember in uh, when we covered the Zodiac Killer, the, there was that uh, one of the, the couples, that dude got stabbed, like, seven times in the back and survived? That's one of those things that's like, do you want to survive this? Like, it's it's a tough one to come back to. It's like, your sister's dead. You've been shot in the face twice. There's actually pictures of him mm-hmm. after, and he looks pretty normal. He there. I don't see the bullet. I mean, he looks like he just had, like, acne, acne scars, <laughs> right? Like, he just needs some Neutrogena or something. <laughs> but it actually doesn't look too bad, especially for, like, 1950s cosmetic surgery. Like, yeah. he came back pretty good. So I'll give him props to whoever his doctor was. Shout out to the Wichita fucking medical system. They were just like, just grow a beard, dude. It'll cover <laughs> up the scars. <laughs> Put character on you and whatnot. It's manly, whatnot, right? Uh, so fast forward to October of 1974, and this is when you get the first communications. Uh, BTK actually writes a letter detailing in magnificent detail. Mind you that the police didn't release too much information to the public because it was an ongoing investigation. You don't want everything out there or whatever, right? Uh, but basically everything to a T, to a photographic T of what the murder scene looked like at, with the Ote- Otero family. Uh, he writes this letter, and mind you, it's a copy of the letter. So he writes it and then makes a photocopy of it and then stashes it in an engineering book in the Wichita Public Library. Uh, he actually ends up calling the Wichita Eagle uh, and tells them you know, where this letter is located. Uh, and wants it printed in the secret witness program, which I guess is like uh, in the paper they will put some of the information that's out there. So it's like a, an anonymous tip line, if you will, but in the newspaper and whatnot, right, which is what the Wichita Eagle was. Uh, so the police get a hold of this letter, and they say, hey, we're not going to publish this because we don't want a bunch of false confessions because at the same time, uh, they were holding three gentlemen who were trying to take credit for the Otero murders. The only reason he does this is because there was a dude who had just confessed to being the, the murderer of the Otero family. Correct. And that pissed him off where it's just like, what? I'm not getting the credit for this shit? Yeah. I should be the next Ted Bundy. Like, exactly. And you guys are giving credit to these like fucking like wannabes. These jack-offs, yeah. <laughs> like, I fucking... I did the crime. Like, you know, like... Mm-hmm. It, it, you know... It's a weird time because at, up to this point, he's very like um, Zodiac Killer-ish, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, not to say that with the Zodiac Killer wasn't as awful. Like, uh, he was killing people. But I, I do think that at least the Zodiac Killer wasn't like fucking jerking off on kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's still that line that's like, this dude's still fucking over here jerking off on kids. Yeah. Like, you just crossed a line on top of another line that's just like, come on, dude. Exactly. And like, the fact that like, 
now it's like he wasn't even gonna say shit until other people started doing shit. It's like, oh come on, dude. Like Dave Moten said, that's some bitch shit. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. So um the police, again, like I said, they decided not to print the letter out in the newspaper or put it out for public view at all. Uh, but this up-and-coming newspaper called the Wichita Sun decided to take excerpts of this and, um, you know, put it out for the public, you know, because obviously they wanted to sell newspapers and whatnot, right? So um, I'm not going to read the whole letter um, because yeah. it's a lot of, like, look at me kind of thing, and those th- other three guys that you have in custody are the wrong guys. I'm the guy that you want. Uh, but he ends the letter saying, P.S., since sex criminals do not change their M.O. or by nature cannot do so, I will not change mine. The code for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them, BTK. You'll see he's at it again. And that's how he ends the letter. And this is how you get the name BTK is from this first letter. Yeah. One of the things that, um, because later on it does get published, uh, and it's like all over the Wichita news and every newspaper is carrying it, there was a point where... um, there's a particular phrase where he misspells something, and mm-hmm. he does a lot of misspellings on purpose Correct. and like gramma- grammatical errors on purpose. But there's one word that he misspells, and I don't think it was on purpose. So I can't remember what that word was. But his wife is reading it, and his wife's like, "Oh look, he misspelled like you know whatever the word, just like you do." And then if you watch his trial thing, he talks about that moment where he's like, I thought that mo- that was oh, it. Oh, wow. I thought that was the moment I had to kill my wife and it was on. And like, and luckily she like went off and like did grocery shopping <laughs> and forgot all about it. And it didn't become a thing at all. So he's like, cool. Like nobody noticed the thing. That is, okay. So let me ask you this. Like, don't you think it's weird that like he had like this marriage and he had like this sickness, right? But you never hear anybody the wife the children anybody say him take out any of that sexual aggression on her right yeah. like the only story that you get is that the the oldest son and him had an argument one time and he started choking him and it was just like a one time thing but mm-hmm. nothing resurfaced like when he was with his family not his wife nobody got any inklings like that's the most that yeah. i've heard is that one situation right there it, yeah i think to put it all in perspective i think there was that uh i think like CNN or somebody does a, a whole thing where the daughter does a like a long format interview, and they're literally walking down the street of you know their neighborhood, and she talks about you know the way I saw my life. This is the house that I was gonna bring you know come to Thanksgivings for and bring my children to Thanksgiving for, and this is your grandpa and your grandma type of thing, and that's taken away. And I I two things have to have been happening there. Either he was just excellent at hiding this. Of like you know, pretending to be a human, and I think at some point, you know that show Dexter. Yeah, I think that you know if it does one thing good in the early seasons is that th- there is a line that is crossed where those people no longer see themselves as like you know one of the guys like it it view themselves as the other masquerading as a human, and I think he was either really good at that. Or his family had just become trained and accustomed to being like, this is what's acceptable. And, and as far as being disconnected, emotionally, sexually, like whatever, like the wife. I mean, you know, him and his wife had to have sex at some point. At least you, twice, yeah. <laughs> you know, at some point, you know, something's a little bit off. Like, oh, this dude's like, needs to take blue chew or whatever. You know, just, or <laughs> I don't know, they didn't have blue chew back then. So I assume he's just like eating like, 
eating like ginger rate or something like ginger root or some shit (laughs) (laughs) to like get his dick hard or something. So like, like, I don't know, whatever it is, but like there, there is like some, some of that going on. And, and I think maybe you just look away from that. Cause it's like, Oh, that's your dad. You're not thinking of the worst thing or that's your husband. You're not thinking of the worst things, but we keep going back and making jokes about the whole Boy Scout thing, but that was a big out for him. Mm-hmm. That was an excuse to leave and be away and come back with dirt on his clothes because he was doing Boy Scout stuff. Like when reality, in between these crimes, he was still going out to the woods, tying himself up, dressing in women's clothes, digging graves and burying himself in graves and taking pictures of himself. Like, and he, there were multiple times where he talked about. I thought the Boy Scouts were going to be like, where's troop leader fucking Dennis Rader or whatever, like, <laughs> and, like, go find him tied up in, like, women's clothes or whatever. Like, like he he was living on the edge, and the fact that he was never caught was pretty surprising. But yeah. I think there was also, like, that whole, like, no way, dude. He's just, like, yeah, boring old white guy. Yeah, you know? and, like, even the daughter said, like, in one of those interviews – is that it wasn't uncommon to see him like with gloves on and with, you know, uh, tools and whatnot because he had a stamp collection. Again, on the surface, a very boring, dumb, middle-aged white guy or whatever, right? But at the same time, what he was doing, he was just piecing together, uh, you know, mementos that he would take from each house that he would, you know, go into. You know, each house that he, he murdered somebody or did something too. Like he would... You know, steal it later on, like driver's license, uh, watches, things like that. And then you would put those together kind of like in a scrapbook, kind of like as a, a memory, and then hide it under the floorboards or what if you will. Yeah. So he would do that out in the open, but it would be, ma- again, masquerading as something totally innocuous and whatnot. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> to move on, I guess, to his third uh, case. Uh, March 17th, 1977, so St. Patrick's Day. Uh, he's feeling a little frisky. <clears throat> he um, decides to, um, you know, kill again, basically, right? Uh, but the next victim that he chooses, which is a Shirley Vian Relford, uh, was completely random. So unlike the other two cases, uh, those were people that he actually stalked and trolled. Uh, this was somebody that was completely random. And the reason why that was is because the first house uh, that he was going to go to did not answer. Uh, and on his way to that house, uh, he was showing a little boy a picture of that family or a person that he was getting ready to bind, torture, and kill. Um, you know, a picture of them disguised as a, you know, a, a, a private investigator saying like, hey, do you know these people? I have some questions for them. The little boy was getting a can of soup for his mom who was sick and he said, no, I don't, I don't know anything about those people and whatnot. And, you know, continues to proceed to take the can of soup back home to his mom. Now, Dennis notices, you know, the kid goes into the house next door and, you know, kind of thinks nothing of it. But when the house didn't answer, he decides to go to that house. Now, that was the house that you said uh, earlier. He walks in uh, saying that, you know, I have a sexual, um, a sectional I have a sexual condition. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sexual condition. And uh, the mom comes out of the bedroom and he's pointing a gun at her and he tells her like, hey, you know, I just need, you know, to get this sexual frustration out of me. You know, I'm not going to do anything to you, but, you know, I need to do what we need to do. So what he does is, is that they actually both of them, the mom and Dennis, uh, they take the children. Uh, they put a bunch of toys and blankets in the bathroom. Uh, they actually tie 
the doorknob, I believe, is to like the the foot of the tub, like one of those old tubs where it has like lion's feet on it. And yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ties uh, the the door to the lion's foot and whatnot, and then the mom actually pushes the bed against the bathroom door so the kids can't get out, which I thought was fucking creepy as shit. I mean, mind you, yeah, she's got a gun pointed at her and like she's you know <laughs> about to get raped and whatnot, so she's trying to do what she needs to do so she can hurry up and get back to her kids. But I thought, like, that was just all sorts of fucked up. Like, you mentioned, like, crossing lines upon lines and whatnot. Like, you're actually having this lady <laughs> basically entrap her own kids in the bathroom, if you will. Uh, but anyways, she's feeling nervous, and she actually throws up. Now, Dennis, again, that dichotomy I was talking about earlier, like, where he's showing kindness. He actually, you know, goes and gets her some water and starts comforting her and whatnot. Like, being all fatherly and shit or whatever, right? Which is super creepy. And then once, you know, she, you know, comes to and feels a little bit, bit, feels a little bit better, ties her up, fucking does his thing with her, you know, masturbates on her and whatnot, and then, like, proceeds to put a belt around her neck and chokes her to death. Now, as he's doing this, the children in the bathroom are looking through the keyhole, and it's super sad because there's a documentary on Discovery Plus where one of those children... He said, like, he, he was the one looking through the, the, the keyhole, and he was yelling at the top of his lungs. He's like, leave my mom alone. Leave my mom alone. And, like, Dennis yells out at him. He goes, if you don't shut up, I'm going to blow your brains out. Now, that kid would grow up and have all sorts of problems. I guess he got diagnosed with 27 different personalities, as Damn. well as he would have uh, an addiction, I guess, to methamphetamines. Like, all sorts of fucked up shit. Like, this guy was just completely devastated obviously because you're seeing your mom being you know bound and murdered and whatnot right uh but dennis actually says like in his confession in the court that he was actually planning to murder those children too i believe it was like three young boys mm -hmm. uh, but something stopped him where like the telephone rang and he actually heard glass breaking so the other child in the bathroom one of the other children he actually breaks the window the small window in the bathroom and runs out towards the neighbor so again just like with you know kevin bright he gathers up all his stuff, and he runs out the door. Shit never goes right, dude. No. <laughs> it's kind of weird because, like, his, like, his, like, sexual urges all involve, like, children and, like, all, like family type of structures, which, not to uh, spoil the lead, but reminds me of a movie that I'll talk about in part two. Mm -hmm. But I think that that also includes of, like, why there's so many fuck-ups in this, like, thing. Because, like, kids are pretty unpredictable, dude. Yeah. Like, it's unlike Jeffrey Dahmer where it's like he's just going out to gay bars and taking dudes home and it's like a one-on-one -on -one type of thing. Uh, you know, completely different. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, again, a few months later, uh, December 8th, 1977, <clears throat> Nancy Fox, uh, this was actually one of his uh, projects. And this is like, I don't want to say where he nails it, but this is where he nails it, right? Uh, so this is somebody that he was actually stalking at work. I believe it was Hesselberg Diamonds. Uh, and he does the same thing he did with the Otero family, where he goes to her back door. I believe she lived in an apartment. Uh, cuts the phone line, uh, breaks into her home, and then waits into the kitchen. Again, has a bowl of cereal because he's a cereal killer, and that's a bad joke. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she comes home, he tells her, <laughs> I have a sexual problem, and all I'm going to do is tie up tie you up and have sex with you, and then I'll be on my way. And this one was a little weird because she said, she says, well, before we get started, I need to smoke a cigarette. 
So she smokes her cigarette. I guess both of them are smoking a cigarette. And once they're done, she says, all right, let's get this over with. And I was like, damn, damn like, that's some fucking damn. gangster ass shit, dude. Like, let's get this show on the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, uh, you never mind. <laughs> she's been, she's done this before. Something tells me, but I've been in this rodeo a long time. In my mind, I'm thinking of like like some lunch lady or something like that that's saying this, yeah. but like she was actually a super attractive like young lady or whatnot. But anyways, uh, she goes to the bathroom, I guess, to you know do what she has to do or whatnot. And then when she comes out, he handcuffs her, uh, ties her up, strangles her uh, with a belt, and then proceeds to um, use the pantyhose to rebound her and, you know, ties her up even tighter and then masturbates all over her dead body. Yeah, and this is actually like... So maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I got the timelines wrong, but I think Zodiac was happening around the same time period. Like, I think so. So, you know, Zodiac had already put out the blueprint of like, if you want to be weird and mysterious is how you do it. So to kind of like lay on the weird and mysterious thing, he does call the police and does the whole, like, you'll find a homicide at eight forty three South pressing. And like, yeah. And it's like, Okay, all right, Zodiac. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I That's mean, exactly what I thought though, too. Yeah, and I was like, when I saw that, I was like, come on, dude. You know, it's like that meme where it's like, all right, copy my homework, but change it a little bit. Like, yeah. that's basically like him doing that, where it's like, dude, come on, like, yeah. And you knew that he was. I mean, as you'll see in like in yeah. his next letter, like he was studying like yeah. past serial killers and whatnot. But it's it's, it's a lot like Zodiac in the fact that. Wichita at this time. So I think when Zodiac did that, that was like in the 60s, late 60s, yeah. right, 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 when he goes, goodbye. Yeah. And that, in San Francisco, they had just got call um, caller ID, right? Yeah. And they were, you know, at that phone um, booth, like, within minutes, right? Fast forward to 1977, Wichita, Kansas, <laughs> they, they had just got caller ID. And then within two minutes... Uh, they get to that phone booth. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get to BTK, uh, but the phone was off of the hook, and the only person was there as it was an off-duty fire department um, officer. And he said, yeah, it was just like this normal-ass-looking white dude on there. Like, huh. I didn't think anything of it. I thought he was just calling his wife and whatnot, right? And they gave a description, and it ended up looking like every other white dude yeah. <laughs> in Wichita, Kansas and shit. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I guess he, like, dramatically left the phone, like, dangling or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pretty cheesy dude, all right? Just going to say, like, you know, the whole, like, Simpsons did it first. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Zodiac did it first. Yeah, correct. And then the next part of it (laughs) drips with a copycat of Zodiac. So uh, later on uh, in the year, so this was December of 77 when that happened. So the next month in January 31st of 1978, uh, he actually sends uh, a letter uh, to the Wichita Eagle uh, titled Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, which was like a, a play on uh, Goldilocks poem about Shirley Vaughn, about how he enjoyed doing what he did to Shirley Vaughn. And this is how you get kind of a little bit too about how he was going to kill the children as well. Yeah. Uh, so he sends that poem to the Wichita Eagle, uh, but then he also sends a letter to Cake TV, which would be his outlet from this point forward on uh, February 9th, 1978. Uh, it's titled, Oh Dear... Oh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a play on O Death, and it's called O Death to Nancy. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read this letter because this is like <laughs> where 
you get a lot of the BTK um, personality from. Uh, so it pretty much says, uh, the f- I find the newspaper not want, not writing about the poem on Vianne unamusing. The little paragraph would have been enough. I know it not the media fault. The police chief, he keep things quiet. And he doesn't let the public know where a psycho running around loose, strangling mostly women. There are seven in the ground. Who will be next? And again, like Art said... He has horrible grammar, so this is not me being a horrible yeah. reader. This, but is he's me. doing this on purpose. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he goes on to say, "How many do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? Do the cop think that all of those deaths are not related? Golly gee, yes. The mo is different in each, but look at the pattern is developing. The victims are tie up. Most have been women. Phone cut. Bring some bondage matter." Sadist tendencies, no struggle. Outside the death spot, no witness except the Vians kids. They were very lucky. A phone call saved them. I was going or go g <laughs> to tape the boys and put plastic bags over their heads like I did Joseph and Shirley, and then hang. Oh my God! And then hang the girl. God, oh God, what a beautiful sexual relief that would have been. Josephine, when I hung her, really turned me on. Her pleading for mercy, then the rope took hold. She helpless, staring at me with wide terror-filled eyes, the rope getting tighter and tighter. You don't understand these things because you are not under the influence of factor X. So it's impo- I'm going to put a pin in it right here. So this is what he believes, Dennis Rader believes that he has, factor X, right? The same thing that made the son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Harvey Glateman, Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, Pantyhose Strangler of Florida, Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast. Again, I'm going to put a pin <laughs> on this right here. He's talking about Ted Bundy. But in my mind, when I heard that for the first time, yeah. I just pictured like somebody photoshopping like Ted Bundy on the cover <laughs> of like Tupac's All Eyes on Me going like this. <laughs> so I was just like, you got to find comedy in these horrible things or whatever, right? So anyways... Ted of the West Coast and many more infamous character kill, which seem a senseless, but we nightmare, but you see, I don't lose any sleep over it. Again, really bad grammar. After a thing like Fox, I come home to go about my life like anyone else, and I will be like that until the urge hit me again. It not continuous, and I don't have a lot of time. It take time to set a kill, one mistake, and it all over. Since I blew it on the phone handwriting, it is out of letter guide, is too long, and typewriter can be traced too. My short poem of death and maybe a drawing. Later on, real picture and maybe a tape, the sound will come your way. How will you know me? Before a murder or murders, you will receive a copy of the initials BTK. You keep that copy. The original will show up someday on Guess Who? May you not be the unluck one. P.S. How about some name for me? It's time. Seven down and many more to go. I like the following. How about you? So then he goes on to <laughs> give himself some nicknames. Give himself some nicknames. So he's already throwing BTK out there. And before I go into the nicknames, I didn't know this, but he would write the signature BTK. With like boobs? Yeah, it was like very <laughs> like sixth graders or whatever, right? Like yeah. so the B would be the titties or whatever, and yeah. the K would be like 
like a play, I guess, like on the vagina or whatever. And it looked like it was a bound and tortured lady with like huge ass fucking hentai, fucking bebop, cowboy bebop boobs or whatever, right? So anyways, he goes, (laughs) I like the following. How about you? The BTK strangler, the Wichita strangler, the poetic strangler, which would come into play later on because he would start to write poetry and shit. Started to get all poetic on us. Yeah, like all fucking emo and shit. emo, dude. (laughs) Here we go, dude. I've been listening to some dashboard. (laughs) (laughs) The bondage strangler or the cycle of the Wichita hangman, the Wichita executioner, the garrot phantom, the asphyxicator, the asphyxiator? Asphyxiator, there you go. Or just BTK. So... As, as as the episode title tells you, BTK ended up being the one that... You know, so the police right away thought there was bullshit. They were like, this motherfucker's out here calling himself the asphyxiator, a, hard that is, a word that is not easy to, like, spell, <laughs> and he's making all these, like, grammatical errors. Like, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they thought there was bullshit right away. They were like, this guy knows what he's talking about, and these grammatical errors... Th- and misspelling really simple words and spelling really complicated words just fine. Like they were like, "This guy's bullshit." Yeah, we're we're, we're on to you. Uh, but that was his whole like bread and butter. Is like this is gonna throw them off for sure. But didn't work. They kind of like had the profile right away. They were like, "This guy military background. This guy white guy suburbs." Like it was like it was a pretty good idea of like what was going on there. Yeah, minus actually catching him. But like, yeah. But as that, as it would happen, he goes on a, a little bit of a hiatus, just like us. So yeah. uh, before we go on to episode two, Art, do you have anything you want to add to this? No. Um, I think uh, so far, I think we've laid pretty good groundworks of like who BTK is. I do think the second part is like, you know, just as interesting as like, you know, we've showed you the monster and now we're going to show you a little bit more of the behind the bail, I guess, and like. There is a trial. You guys yeah. get caught to spoil the lead a little bit. But. Yeah, and I, I wanted to do two episodes too because I think the the second part of this is just as interesting, if not more interesting, uh, than what you just heard, minus all the masturbation on children details yeah. and shit. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. um, you got anything else, man? No, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, if you got anything. Uh, <laughs> that you want to talk about about the BTK guys guys hit us up on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America except for Twitter we are at Art and Jacob Do A1 cause goddamn son that's just how a steak is done even the BTK you use fucking A1 sauce yeah dude shit. he's a Kansas City guy he knows barbecue yeah he knows about that shit <laughs> but anyways guys if uh, you want to help support this podcast I highly recommend hanging on over to the Patreon over at patreon.com slash Art and Jacob Do America where every single week we put together a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. So head on over there, donate $1, donate $5, donate $6, however much you want to donate to help this pay, help this podcast uh, keep them moving. But every single week you'll get a bonus episode, which nine times out of 10 are better than the actual episodes that you're hearing for free today. So if you like us here, you'll love us over there. Uh, but speaking of supporting us, guys, if you want to support us in any other way, head on over to the official website at rnjacobdoamerica.com all the merch links we currently have four designs up there uh get your hands on one or all four of those uh but when you do it's not so much to help us financially as we probably see a couple cents from every purchase there uh but more or less it's helped to promote this podcast so so if you're visiting wichita kansas you're 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 a gruesome motherfucker and you're visiting all these murder sites in the small ass city of wichita and shit uh have our jacob do america t-shirt 
the locals will see, you know, hey, there's a new podcast. Hey, that, guy to. Knows, that guy knows good podcasts. Yeah, and then so they'll jump on the Art Jacob Do America train. That'll help us grow, and that'll help give us, you know, more support. So do that because you will be a walking billboard, if you will. Uh, if you want to hear other great podcasts, guys, I highly recommend hang on over to podbelly.com, uh, where we are official members of the Podbelly Network. So go ahead and check out other great podcasts, such as the world-famous Sofa King and Hillbilly Horror Story. But with that said, Lord, it's Mother's Day. I got to go be a good dad <laughs> to my baby's mama and show her a good day. But um, happy Mother's Day to your mom. Shout out to Mama Trejo and all the mamas out there. Uh, make sure when you open up your front door, make sure your phone lines are working. If you still have a landline or whatnot. Landlines, yeah. yeah, try not to uh, keep the same schedule. If you feel like somebody is following you, make three left turns. Yeah. And if they're still following you, call 911 or have your very muscular young son uh, walk you home uh, after the grocery store. Do what thou wilt because we don't want BTK Part 2 coming after you. But with that said, Art, I'm done. I'm done too. Let's uh, let's put a pin in it. We'll see you guys next week for part two. Goodbye. Good night.